Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 90. Tonight's show is brought to you by... Fuck, I actually did Stink bugs. Okay, stink bugs. <laughs> uh, real quick, we're going to dive directly into our... Oh my god, I'm using Andrea's computer tonight for patrons because I didn't feel like bringing mine over, and I'm regretting every life decision that led me to this moment. Um, so we're going to do patrons. We're going to start at $10 a month. We've got Zach, X-Wing at Aliciousness, a.k.a. Clayton, Tom P., Todd, Tim, Fact Checker Supreme, but won't call my ass back, Kruger, uh, <laughs> Ty, Tennessee, Zach, Scott, SCG Shoe Co., Sam, Ryan, Raymond, Parker, Nicole, Nick, MTB Shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Michael, Leland, Kevin, Kenny Sucks, Ken Graham, JRA Outdoor Media Groupie, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jamie, Jake, Green Giant, Ho Ho Ho, Gordon, G Man, F That Guy, Mark, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, Dustin, Brad, Billy Singlespeed, Bill, Bo, Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron, our three Australians, Lead Out Sports, Josh, and Dean. $20 a month. We got Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. We got Harley at 30. Troy's petty ass at 31. And he won't be able to hear this because he's off grid. And uh, Six Pack Outdoors. Andrew's going to go race one of their events coming up. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, it depends on my schedule and whatnot. So there we have patrons. Can I close this page? Sure. We also have a new patron, that guy. Cool. We didn't really decide this, but do you want to just run with it? Do you want to put water bottles on sale? Um, yeah, we're going to do that. Okay. We're going to run a small sale on water bottles. We'll do $25 a set for the ones that are in stock because it's hot outside, and you not you need to stay hydrated. And to be quite honest, uh, the shirt orders are coming in soon, and it would be great to... Have a little more room under that table? I was going to say, no, not even that. I just don't want it to be hot outside, and we want to be riding. People like expect us to be shipping shit. <laughs> so I'd rather sell them now than when people are like, oh, man, all my bottles have mold in them. Like, there's already mold in those bottles. You should replace them now. Yeah, if you have any bottles that are looking a little fuzzy, you know, like that bottle you accidentally left on your bike and left out in the sun for like two days, just throw that out. Just throw it away. You don't need to keep that. Nope, you don't need to keep that. <clears throat> do we want to... What else do we want to talk about? Do we want to just talk about what we've been doing? Let's do that. Yeah. Who's going first? I'll go first. I never go first. <laughs> so I have been horse sitting. That's what she said. I've been horse sitting. I have been riding my bike a little bit. Oh, yeah. I did um, the fat bike race since the last time we recorded. Went to Leadville and did the final race of the Cloud City Wheelers fat bike series. And I won. It was amazing. Yeah, like I was actually pretty surprised. And at the start, so one block from the start uphill, there was a gigantic patch of black ice. And it was like I was rolling towards it before the start just to check it out and watched a guy eat shit on it. Just his bike just teleported out from under him. Like bike sideways, hip, ground. Yeah, exactly. Like he just body slammed the ground. So I knew it was really bad. And I planned to if you if you rode off in the grass so like the fastest line of course was to just shoot the black ice and just hope for the best right also the riskiest yeah and let's see if this little maneuver pays off have you ever been at the start of a mass mountain bike event it's fucking sketchy 
I mean, road racing can be a little bit sketchy, but you have drop bars for one, so the bars aren't just poking at each other and trying to... Unless you have those big wide curve bars that are like 70 degree flare. Yeah, those don't count. But the start of mountain bike races, if they're big group starts, can be one of the sketchiest bike things you'll ever do. So I wasn't sure how it was going to go, so I decided that I was going to ride through the grass, which just had some crunchy snow on it. And that way, if people started just flying everywhere and it got really sketchy, if I fell down, I'd fall on grass or snow and not ice. And also, if it just got, if it looked just sketchy and pile up and everything, then I would just hop off and just run. And I could run through the snow. I might get a little snow in my shoe, but it wouldn't be a big deal. So... I planned on that, and luckily I just rode through the grass. Everyone actually kept their shit together. I don't know if anyone fell down, because I was really, really focused, and this is where I'm getting with the story. I was very focused on getting to that line and navigating it cleanly, so I didn't really know if any other women in the race were ahead of me after the start. I didn't think they were, because going up the road, it started with a five and a half mile climb. And I could just see just a group of, I don't know, it just looked like a group of dudes riding together. So I I recognized one of the guys who's really fast, Marvin, um, just because he's like my size. And I saw a group that was him and like six or seven other people in front of me. And I'm like, I don't know if any of the other women would just be like trying to fall. I don't know. They might. Here's a good way to put it. If there was a lady riding with Marvin, yeah. she's either going to blow up or stomp Andrea's shit in. Exactly. There's no yeah. in between. Like Andrea is not Marvin fast. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Marvin yeah. Marvin did Leadville in like 640. Yeah, think. he's a, he lives in Leadville and he's just this fast little dude. So, yeah. So I saw a group with Marvin and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not going that fast. And so I didn't know if I was in the lead or not. And it turns out I was. And I I did um, pretty well. I made some good times um, uphill and downhill, surprisingly, which I'd never thought that I was really that uh, that good at descending on a fat bike. But it wasn't bad. They have... um, So the trail that was in... This is the East Side Epic Race was the name of the race. And the long descent off of, I think it's called Iron Mountain or Iron Hill is going to be in Fat Bike Worlds. And they're talking about... So Fat Bike Worlds is going to be next year, January, in Leadville. And they're talking about doing an enduro race along with it. So if you come to Fat Bike Worlds, you get to race us. <laughs> or damn, should I sell my Fat Bike ahead of Fat Bike Worlds? I don't know. Are we Are we going to Fat Bike Worlds? I mean, it's like an hour away. Okay. I wasn't planning on it. It's very people Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're talking about doing an enduro with Fat Bike Worlds. And this downhill was, the it was kind of a narrower snowmobile trail, but it was groomed probably, I don't know, the size of, say, double track. Not wide, you know, it wasn't like a big two-lane road. Like it would be a single width of a, I don't know, like a Jeep. And it was so good. Like they had groomed in little berms and whoops and jumps and it was really it was really fast like the people that knew it were just hauling ass and I I'd never been on it before so I I wasn't going that fast but yeah it was really good I was kind of surprised I crossed the finish line and I'm like they people were clapping I'm like uh did I did I win (laughs) they're like yeah awesome 
So yeah, I won by seven minutes. Though the lady that was second, um, I heard her saying that she had a leaky tire and started three minutes late. So I guess technically I won by four minutes. No, you won by seven minutes because she didn't show up to the start line with ready to race equipment. Like that's not. <laughs> I mean, there there is no like caveat of like, oh wait, everybody, my shit's not ready. I, I don't hold, wait for me. That doesn't happen. I know, but. So that was the highlight of my week, and other than that, I've been turkey hunting. You mean turkey listening. Turkey listening. Every time I have gone out, I have heard turkeys. I've just never been able to align my location with their location, and when I call to them, they're just not picking up what I'm throwing down. So Actually, they were. So today, I sat in a spot where I had the night before been kind of within range of a turkey on a roost. And while I was sitting there and calling this morning, I hear turkeys across the road about a quarter mile away. And they are responding to my calls, but they're doing it from that far away and across the road. And I'm like, well, they're not going to cross the road, which they they will, but not during during hunting season. They get a little bit more wary and it's we're a week into hunting season now. So uh, they weren't crossing the road. I wasn't hearing anything else, so I figure, well, I'm going to go over there and see if I can find the turkeys on the other side of the road. And I go over there, and at one point I see a hen kind of like walking away from me up this big hill and figured that I had just busted the turkeys. And so I just, I set up along there somewhere and called for a little while, and a turkey on the other side of the road where I'd just come from starts coming towards me very quickly. I'm like, man, that turkey might actually cross the road because he is like screaming towards me. And then a road grader came by. I hear heavy equipment. (laughs) Yeah, like scraping and like a dump truck. And I'm like, God, what is that? Like what could possibly be going on? Are they reworking campsites? Like I didn't know. But yeah, so that turkey um, did not keep coming towards me. And then I eventually popped out on the road on my way back to the car. I'm like, oh, that's what that noise was. They grade The one time a year that they grade this road was today. So I'm going to go back in the morning and try again. But that's been my week. Kenny, you're up. Awesome. So I don't think I've done any mountain biking. No, I don't think so. But I did do some surrounding. In this case, technically Talaria-ing. And yeah, so I got a new... EXT rear shock, which is really cool. So this kind of bleeds into mountain bike world. Uh, EXT, Italian company, they've got distribution here in Utah. And uh, the fella at EXT heard that I rode Sarons and was nice enough to stop by the shop and dropped off a rear shock for me to test and give him feedback on. So they're listeners, right? Yeah. Does he listen? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I met them in Vegas, I think. Oh, very cool. What shock was on your Suron before? It was a Fast Ace is the company, and it was decent. Right. There's a lot of like weird manufacturers that are like definitely Asian manufacturers, and they might be on like specced on pit bikes and that kind of stuff. And I think that's the realm this is in. So you've got like Fast Ace, DNM. And there's probably another one I'm forgetting. But anyway, it was actually a decent rear shock. It had decent damping and decent adjustability. And this one, and I'm going to get it wrong. I actually have no idea what coil it is. It's the one that's the only one they make for us are on. I'm pretty sure 
It has the chonkiest damper shaft that you've ever seen. It's insane. Is it like a baby arm holding an apple? It is. <laughs> Let's see. E- EXT. So I'm looking, would that shock be under mountain bike or under moto? It is under moto. Uh, by the way, EXT also has air shocks, which uh, I would probably also like to try one of those on the Kinevo. That would be really cool. I don't, I don't know if they're shipping yet, but they have air shocks, which is really neat. But EXT has been making good coils for a while. Uh, yeah, so a couple things about the rear shock as I look up what model it is. Do, 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 do. Uh, so yeah, chonky damper shaft. It's designed for the Sauron, so it's a 10.5 by 3.5. Also fits the Talaria. And yeah, it's got some magic sauce in there. And I'm fairly <laughs> certain, and I could totally be wrong, I'm fairly certain that it's like a different chassis. Uh, MTB e- EMX. Yeah, EMX suspension. So it's an Arma MX. A-R-M-A MX. So I'm just kind of... It's hard to tell from this picture on that damper shaft because there's a there's a shadow. Let me see there's another. Okay, yeah, there you go. That second picture is pretty telling. Pretty nutso damper shaft. I want to see if that's the same as oh, one of their weird. other it's ones. It's got like a little... It looks like a drill bit. Uh, so I let's look at the EXT, the, so the Estoria. I wonder if that one's got the same. It's maybe similarly sized. It's got different anodizing on it. So anyway, regardless, got that shock, installed it, rode it, and it's like pretty freaking legit. I was very surprised. I didn't think I was going to notice that big of a difference. Reason being is pretty early on, I bought a Fox DHX2 for the Suron, and it was like kind of one of the nicest things you could get in 10.5 by 3.5. Being in the industry, I'm like, shoot, well, I'll try that. And it was average at best. Definitely better than the DNM that I pulled off of that bike. But it wasn't like leaps and bounds. There was just something about it that's not right. And it's probably just that it's not tuned for <laughs> an E-Moto that weighs 100 pounds more than a DH bike. So anyway, I've still been running that shock. Hadn't blown up, so that's pretty cool. I've got 2,000 miles on it, and I've done zero service to it, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Kenny, they're really? fast miles. Not even like an air can service. There's no air can. It's oh, a coil. right, right, right. Any, I mean, we're all so used to air shocks. Like everything we've ever owned is an air shock, right? So that's a a reasonable assumption. We're just so used to doing those hundred hour wiper services. Anyway, so that's that's my bad for not servicing it. But it works the same as it did on day one. It just never worked that awesome from day one. Also, other feedback is uh, I'm still like pretty sour about this one. The Olin's DH38 that I have on there, uh, a little bit my fault. I bought it because there was nothing else to buy at the time. This was like peak of the pandemic. I had a wheel I wanted to fit on the Suron. You have to put a different fork on it. And the options were like Manitou Dorado or something, which had just come out and scared the shit out of me. And people had already been blowing them up. So I didn't want to do that. All the Fox and Marzocchi stuff was sold out, and BTI had a DH and Olin's DH38. And at the same exact time, Pinkbike came out with an article comparing all three of those forks, and they said that the Olin's DH38 was leaps and bounds better at everything compared to the Fox 40. And I was like, holy shit, I'm sold. <laughs> and I bought it, and it's a turd. <laughs> like, it's just not a good fork. I don't know how else to say it. How much did that cost them, you think? Do you think that was a $10,000 plug? I don't know. Like, I'm pretty bummed. Like, I that was just an inaccurate article. I don't know how else to say it. So, like, my trust level has gone way, way, way down on Pinkbike. You stuff. trusted Pinkbike? 
anyway, I'm like, I don't know. I'd have never owned a fucking DH fork. So like, I'm going to ask the DH guys, which is pink bike. And they steered me wrong. I do want to say I put a bomber there, 58. Um, hold on. Is there like a, a JRA of downhill? Like, are there some downhill people that have a podcast that's, I don't know, 10 years old that they just, they don't, they don't sell any ads or anything. And they're just, you know, I don't know. I feel like path. that would be pretty rough. I think if they did, world. yeah, it'd probably be recorded on like cassette tape in a basement somewhere <laughs> and it just hasn't gotten out into the world. So anyway, what are you talking for about? Reference, All the downhill folks are like Red Bull athletes. They'd be like, I want to start a podcast and Red Bull would like heli drop a crate of stuff into their front yard. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's only like four people that actually race DH. I think DH is really cool. It's just really, really niche thing. Anyway, uh, for reference, I put a Bomber 58 on my Talaria, and that thing is fucking phenomenal. Like, great. It's got the, you know, it's got the pleb ass. What makes it a 58? Does it have 58 millimeter stanchions? What the I fuck? I have no idea what 58 means. It's just the great. old Fox 40 chassis, but that fork is great, and it was half the price. It's twice as good, and it's half the price. You should sell the Olin's fork, and in your ad, say Pink Bike said that this was way better than Fox. Yeah, and I'll say this also wasn't ridden until the stanchion material came off for 2,000 miles on an Emoto. <laughs> Does that void the warranty? Yes, very much so. So it's okay. It's okay if Fox knows I bought a bomber and put it on one. I don't really don't really care. Anyway. Talk to Ed about it. So that's the suspension story of the Sauron. The moral of the story right now is that EXT rear shock is freaking baller. Uh, I don't know how to even describe it. I just did some super duper basic tuning of the old clicker clackers on there. And so it's got hydraulic bottom out, which is really cool. And I got that kind of set midway. And I got just a couple clicks of high speed compression, a couple clicks of low speed compression, and then rebound set to where it works. And that's it. Um, it's kind of awesome. The only downside I don't know if it's a downside. It's just different. I see that they already have some marketing material on their website about this because people get bummed out, I think. It's a noisy little bitch. That thing is loud. It's making more slurping noises than you can imagine. It's crazy. Is it the Glop Glop 5000? (laughs) It is the Glop Glop 5000. It's nuts. But yes, works super good. So if anybody out there in Suron and Talaria land is looking for a good rear shock, that EXT is freaking legit. So I'll ride it some more. I only had one ride on it. I'll ride it this weekend. It's going to be super nice. Uh, but I rode like really, Do you know if they make really one for fucking a, hard. Uh, would that fit the electric trials moto that Matt has? No. Probably not. His is pretty unique. And it's probably right. like moto stuff. And not only moto stuff, but like trials moto stuff. And even then, maybe even bespoke on top of that. There's no telling. No, the the weight for my stuff is pretty close to normal trial stuff, so the I don't think the tuning has to be wildly different. Okay, well, that's cool. But that's my goal for this winter is I'm going to get my shit retuned. Nice. Remind me, does yours have clutch or no clutch? No clutch. Are you finding that that is an issue now that you're getting better at trials, or do you think it's actually a helper? I don't know because I've never ridden trials on anything with a clutch. Got it. But you're able to – sounds like you're – I mean, I know you're pretty good at bikes and you're probably pretty good at motorcycles. So, and watching some videos of you doing trialsy stuff, it sounds like you don't have much of an issue getting through tech stuff, correct? Nope. Um, 
I think there's certain things in the future. I may progress to a point where I'm limited, you know, yeah, yeah. things where you really need to like truly the, wind it the, up. The big shit where you're like launching the bike from like one rock to another type thing. From a full stop, yeah. But I jumped from rock to rock the other day. Like, I jumped onto one rock that was, like, the size of a truck bed and then jumped over to another rock the size of a truck bed that was, like, a full bike length apart. I did that without a clutch. So, there may be a time in the future. Like, I've already had that thought. Like, two years from now, I may be like, I might need a gas bike because I'm out riding this, but I don't know if that'll ever come. Or would you want the electric one with a clutch? Yeah, who knows? You know, but two years from now, the electric trials world may be oh, it'll way be different. Even more bananas than it is now. But you can kind of use your your rear brake, your it like the cut. It that... it so yeah. My my left hand is a regenerative brake that also cuts power, and you can sort of feather it, but you can't. There's no winding up a flywheel like on a yeah. gas bike, yeah. where you can be like. Ah! whack and just use all that energy but but you can roll the throttle all the way back and then let loose of that thing and uh in party mode and, go and bad shit would happen yeah um so so there know. you go that's like that's exactly like a clutch i don't know but again it's not gonna have that stored yeah i know energy, i know so. i'm just um i don't know like i don't feel like i'm held back uh, i don't i don't know if i mentioned this i don't know if, i don't think i talked about it in this show after i did it but like I was talking with everyone and like trying to figure out what there's some some events coming up and I'm trying to figure out like what class should I ride and they're like you need to ride this class and I was like okay they're like have you ever ridden this thing and I'm like uh-huh. and they're like well that's an advanced thing let's go ride that give you an idea of what advanced is like they're like I think you could get through an advanced day you would just not have as much fun as an intermediate day and I was like okay let's go look at advanced stuff I'm like uh, what's gonna happen I'm gonna fall down you know like whatever. And th- this thing was gnarly, right? And uh, I, I ended up riding this big waterfall section. And uh, a guy told me after I did it that in many years he's ridden it once. So um, there I you think go. I'm not. Li- I think I'm not limited by the motorcycle at this point. Is my my point with that? I'm not trying to brag about me. I just think the motorcycle is much more capable than me still. Yeah, that's uh, that's super cool. Uh, but yeah, I rode really freaking hard and fast like i rode like speed wise i probably rode faster than i've ridden in a really long time i was just feeling dialed on the bike um so this is on the Talaria stock power so not particularly fast and but it's got a 21 now 18 combo so i got a new rear wheel and like full-size tire and different gearing bigger brakes and it was that bike was just eaten i was feeling good and was riding freaking fast on trails it was a lot of fun so that bike's coming along. I did blow the ass end out of both brakes front and rear on that ride. How I did that, I don't know. But uh, how do you all, blow the ass end out of a brake? Like the pistons came out. All the all the pistons, all the piston seals gone. All the and fluid all the gone. Sauce. Mm-hmm. You think it just got too hot? I don't know. I was going really fast. I didn't think I was braking very much, but <laughs> they. <laughs> But <laughs> when broke. you did break it, there was a lot of energy there. I guess I don't. I don't really know what happened. How do you? How do you have the brakes set up on that? I have them set up moto style, so right hand front brake. Cool. I'm way yeah. more excited to ride that now. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten really used to that setup. I may have discussed it on the show before, so if I have, I apologize. But I really thought it would mess me up. But I wanted to just leave it alone, mostly for wheelie reasons, because. 
if you're doing wheelie with throttle right hand, it's a little, not impossible, but it's just harder to get modulation because you're like twisting that hand and then also do modulating break things. So I thought it might be easier if I leave it factory. And also having ridden a lot of other motorcycles before, I'm just used to when I get on a moto that my front brake is on the right. I just have gotten used to it. And I think having the left hand rear brake for wheelies is good. And it's proven that that's been fine for me. And I get super used to it. I've never, I don't think I've ever gotten fouled up. And I think it's mostly because, especially when I'm like riding hard, I'm standing up, I'm flowing on trails and I'm always kind of like dragging that rear brake a little bit here and there. And you're, I'm constantly skirting with the level of traction on the rear brake. And since I'm just already got it preloaded on my left hand, it just becomes second nature. And I'm not like, you're not it's paying. not like I'm just holding onto the handlebars and I haven't touched the brake for three minutes. And then I've got to grab for a brake handle. It's not like that. I've all, I've got like the finger resting on the brake lever the whole time I've been using it and it becomes super second nature to modulate the rear brake from the left side. And then I swap over yep. to the mountain bike and it's like, I'm used to the mountain bike and it's fine. I think that's what, I think it was Sean, the owner of Absolute Bikes. He used to say that about going back and forth between bike and moto because one of the other dudes who worked there did bike and moto and always set his bikes up moto style. And Sean was like, no, when I get on a motorcycle, I'm on a motorcycle and not a bike. Yeah. And I could maybe see myself switching the mountain bike to moto style, if anything. And I could probably recalibrate to do that. But since I ride yeah, so but, many other bicycles and they're all set up bicycle style, I almost don't want to, I don't want to mess that up. Yeah, I, I I couldn't do it. But that's kind of my story. I rode the EXT. It's really, really good. I'll put more time on it. Oh, and since I blew the ass end out of all those brakes, I bought a whole <laughs> bunch of TRPs. So I got like so many sets of TRPs coming. I can't even count. You, you don't, you don't want the ones we're sending you? Oh, I'm using those too. I bought two okay. more complete <laughs> sets. God damn. So I got... I've got two full sets of, plus the set of TRPs on my current bike, but I got uh, two more sets of TRP DHR Evos. I guess I, I got to put those in the box this and time. send them to Kenny. <laughs> you, you it's my yeah. fault that you haven't gotten them yet. Matt asked me, he's like, I don't know, it was probably five days ago. He's like, can you print a shipping label for Kenny? Like, <laughs> of course. It's fine. I've got some brand spanking new DHR Evos that will go on the Talaria. So we're in good shape. Uh, what else is happening? What else is going on? Any new products? Anything I've done? I don't think so. I don't have any more Canevo news for you guys. I'll play around with that stuff. We'll get some brakes on it that don't suck and maybe start playing with suspension and see where I go from there. Who knows? Maybe I'll end up with a an EXT coil on that thing or a EXT air shock or I don't know, something something crazy could wind up on that bike. All right. That's it. So it's my turn. Um, I worked. On Saturday, I went out, or Sunday, I went out and did, I pre-rode the entire full day enduro that's coming up, SalideEnduro.com. Come, race me. I'll be in pro open. Fucking get you some. I went out and rode the whole course, kind of. Um, I fucked up and missed a turn, so I rode a little extra. I was like, God damn, I don't remember this trail being this long. And then I got to an intersection. I'm like, you stupid bitch. You missed your turn. I rode Dream On all the way to (laughs) Sweet Dreams. You just didn't turn on to Rise and Shine. No, I just didn't turn on to Rise and Shine. <laughs> and I was like, fuck me. But no, it's going to be a very accessible day. Even doing a little bonus mileage, it was only 16 and a half miles with 2,500 feet of climbing. Uh, the climbing didn't change much with the extra, like it maybe added 100 feet. But yeah, it's going to be a fun day. Um, that was Sunday. And then Monday, I did house stuff 
all day. Um, I've been working on that, been talking about that, but I hadn't built drawers for my new bed yet, and I built all those drawers on Monday, and then I just kind of like cleaned up all of my crap, essentially. I don't know how else to put it, just... There's a lot of little odds and ends to tidy up around all that stuff. You know, just put this away, put that away, clean this out. Okay, I'm done working on wood projects. I need to, like, make sure I store my nice wood in a way that it doesn't get wet or fall over and get dinged and stuff. So I took care of all that. Andrea helped out. What else did I do? I did. I just ended up doing crap like that all day Monday. I say crap. I mean, it just, you know, that's how that stuff goes. It's like... Oh, let me let me tidy up this. Oh, let me tidy up this. Oh, I got these new drawers. I need to like move them into the shop and like start organizing things into these drawers and just tried to like get everything tidy. And then I worked on Tuesday, worked on Wednesday. After work on Wednesday, just like literally on lunch, I packed up the car on afternoon break. I like got all my stuff laid out. Uh, then as soon as I got off work, I jumped in the car, drove to Salida rode up and went to the start of the the weeknight Salida Enduro. Stage two was Upper Sand Dunes. Kenny, I did a little fiddling to my shock this week. I'd really been enjoying the new rear shock, and I just didn't think I had it, like, super dialed. And I couldn't couldn't put my finger on it. I kept thinking that it was one thing and wanting to fix it by doing something else. And I, like, just... It just had this little bit of harshness that I couldn't wrap my brain around. I'm like, well... I'm using travel. My sag looks good. It's not air pressure. And lo and behold, I like literally slowed my rebound down one click and it just planted the bike a tiny bit more. And just, I think I just like my rebound a tiny bit slow. Um, I know I've talked about that a lot before. It's pretty interesting if you're complaining about harshness and slowing down rebound as a solution. Usually it's the opposite for like very basic misconfiguration where people have way too much rebound damping and it packs up. Uh, but like single event, I feel like it makes it where the bike mm. stays in the travel th- over that bump. No, that's a very good um, designation. Single hit versus, hey, the bike feels fine normally. And then when I start like really getting rowdy going fast downhill, it starts feeling harsh on me. Yeah. And the other thing that led me to think that was occasionally I would jump something and it felt, it almost felt a like. A little pogo not even, I wouldn't say pogo We just like it wanted to not buck me, but I would just get moved forward a tiny bit, you know, just a tiny, it didn't like kick the rear wheel up, but it just didn't, like, it's like I couldn't plant through that rock to jump off of it. It was kind of like bumping over it more than I wanted it to. Um, hmm. I, I wanted to be able to like drive through like single rocks a little bit better. Uh, it's a lot of mountain trails. Big shout out to them. They did a huge rock armoring project on a section, and they strove to create sustainability, but not change the ethos of that trail. Upper Sand Dunes is a classic, hand-built, very chunky trail. It's been around in Salida longer than I have, and they knocked it straight out of the fucking park. The trail is not any easier. The trail is actually in some ways a little bit scarier in this section and it it just parties so it um, sounds like from what you said they basically built a rock garden yeah and i i guess i'm they rock armored it but they the rocks they used were not flat they rock armored it without paving it i think is a great way to describe it yeah and i have to admit i i set out to ride the enduro full day enduro course on saturday and I just, 
I like put it in my head that they did a good job. So I just rode into it. I didn't like haul the mail into it, but I just rode into it and I was like, oh yeah, that's like lumpy and probably has a lot of grip because there's not loose rocks in a trough anymore and just rip through it. And I didn't like stop and fiddle with it because I kind of wanted to like essentially just roll the whole day and see what it felt like to ride the whole course without too much futzing around. Ran into some friends that day and like rode up one of the bigger climbs with them and they were like, oh, like don't wait for me. And it was our friend Lindsay and I'm like, no, I said I wanted to ride with you and like if that means we walk this section, we walk this section. But like in an enduro, you're not like XC pinning it up some climb. You're just like getting to the next stage. So... That was really fun, but I I raced the Enduro. Um, I, I rip up there. There was more people in pro this week. Last week, there was two, so I got second. This week, there was five. Didn't get fifth. So everything felt great. Uh, rode that section great. Uh, Jeff Kirko from Ergon. place? Came. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm building anticipation. I'm, there's suspense here. Went out, uh, rode. Jeff was there photoing, so like saw people I knew. It was great. Went back, helped with awards. I ended up third. Last week, I would not have done well in my age group. And this week, I smashed their dicks in. <laughs> I smashed them. Uh, so it turns out I'm not so great at pedaling this year. Still getting good at going downhill. So no surprise. The kid that is an EWS racer who put like 15 seconds into me on six minutes when it was super pedally, he put like 25 seconds to me into me in just over three minutes when it was more enduro-y. So no surprise there. And it was a great time. I think that if you want to come out and race that race, you should do it. I think Mike and Parker, who are putting on the event, are they're doing a great job. And they are making an event that's really fun. And I had a blast doing it. So, um, yeah, I did that on Wednesday. And then today after work, I was going to go for a ride. And they just mad chlorided the road. So I was like, I thought the road just looked gooey to me. And I'm like, fuck. And I just turned around and I was going to like come home and go for a run with the dog or something. And then my neighbor was dodging a pothole in the road with the sun in her eyes and like almost hit me straight up, almost cleaned my shit up. Um, so this I went. This is on a road that gets like 10 cars a day driving on it. Yeah. Our road is not county maintained, but the road that was mad chlorided was. So. I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to fix that big pothole. So I fixed that big pothole in the road with a shovel and a five-gallon bucket because my wheelbarrow is currently full of potting soil. Sorry, I'll take care of that this week. And then we ate There's dinner. another wheelbarrow over there. There is not. There's a gold one. There's the wheelbarrow you wouldn't let me throw away because you liked it. And because then, I don't like two-wheeled wheelbarrows. And then you needed a wheelbarrow to use, and you used my good new wheelbarrow. Because it had the capacity that I needed. Do you know I'm, they make uh, e-wheelbarrows? I. Do you know they make gas-powered dumpers? Oh, yeah. They make so many cool things. Can I build you a an e-wheelbarrow? Sure. You have to build it with one wheel, not two. Oh, no. It'll be one wheel. And uh, there's so okay. many cool things you can do. Like, I could nerd out on e-wheelbarrows for like a minute. And people so, would be fucking bummed. But think about this. this. Is, for real. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have one. Think about, I have, think about, no, no, no. All right, go ahead. Let me go put ahead. my request in. So you know, there's the two like feet in the back that the uh, you know uh-huh. it, that it sits on. I need those to be. I need titanium there, so it'll shoot sparks. You know, like okay. low rider trucks, like bagged <laughs> trucks. You put tie sliders on them so they spark better. I need sure. tie sliders. 
I need a you know those special drift tires that when you do burnouts they're different colors. Mm-hmm. I need one of those because I'm definitely doing burnouts with it. And I want it to run on. We don't have pavement to do burnouts and ru- and like ruin a tire like that. You can do burnouts inside of our shop. I do it on my e moto every time I put it away. <laughs> every time okay. I do a little burnout, it is the treat to myself. And I need it to run on multiple Dewalt batteries. All that stuff is no problem. Okay. So for real though, from a useful standpoint, you got a loaded up wheelbarrow. You got. Well, you know, call it something reasonable. You got a hundred pounds in it and you're going downhill and that motherfucker wants to take you out. Like he wants to rip your arms off and you are like digging your feet in so it doesn't kill you. Right. Yeah. They have special e wheelbarrow setups uh, and they have regen and they will go, (laughs) they will maintain a certain speed. So if it's like, you know, two miles an hour or whatever you have it set at, it'll go two miles an hour up the hill and then two miles an hour on the flat and then on the downhill it will only limit it'll limit itself to two miles an hour and then regen brake to keep the thing from going out of control. It's like legitimately freaking cool. I'm sold. Yeah. They're awesome. Um, so the, the crazy speed controller thing I have for the green machine can also be set up for an e wheelbarrow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did not expect that. That is the fucking plot twist of the show. Oh, when I was reading the instructions, I dug pretty deep into the e wheelbarrow section. I can just imagine Kenny got to that part in the instructions and he like takes a deep breath and sets it down and like goes and gets another vodka is it and he's like all right down the rabbit hole we go I have no need for a wheelbarrow whatsoever (laughs) you live in a townhouse I live in a townhouse (laughs) everything is built around me I wanted to build an (laughs) e-wheelbarrow And just, like, move bags of sand around for shits and giggles. Just buy some sand to move around. Yeah, just move shit around. Go door-to-door, ask people if they need any wheelbarrowing done. Do you need any dirt? Just just go around with some dirt and a wheelbarrow. And they'll be like, sir, please don't come to my house again. And why are you wearing a full-face helmet while wheelbarrowing? It'd be a situation where I build the wheelbarrow. I'm like, well, I got this cool-ass wheelbarrow. I want to do wheelbarrow things. And then you start, like, a landscaping company. I have a serious question now. Okay. This is starting to teeter into the world of super dangerous, but I Excellent. think I think you're going to be down for it. <laughs> I'm imagining, you know, those like crazy carts. Yes, I'm imagining something like that, right? That size, you know, it's comical for a, a, an adult human to get on it. You know, that's part of the allure of those, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of being like a crazy cart, which has like this, you know, crazy drive wheel, right? You would have uh, like two joysticks, you know, just like a bobcat would, right? Or maybe it's just two, like a lawnmower, like one of those sit-on-top lawnmowers. Yeah. Well, can you reverse an e-wheelbarrow? Uh, I would imagine. Why? It... Why are we talking about this? Because I want you to use <laughs> dual e-wheelbarrow setups that are completely independent that drive two small tracks. So it's like an off-road crazy cart. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sick. <laughs> Andrea is so tired of this shit already. Oh, my. Uh, we want to do listener questions. Oh, I had one new shit that we probably hate or don't hate. I don't hate it. Okay. Um, Industry 9 just released the EN300 wheel set. It's their newest enduro-focused alloy rim. They now have a rim that has hollow walls. So it's like a double-walled sidewall of the rim. It's 
the profile looks really cool and it made the sidewall thicker so it uh, they say it is much more they actually had did some of their own destructive testing and it is I'm not going to read through these percentages. It's just way more resistant to what they call bead shelf deformation as well as bead wall deformation versus the previous enduro alloy wheel they had, the EN305. So it's the same dimension as far as internal width, and it's a little wider now on the external side because of the the hollow, the thicker hollow walls. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, I'm not really into... What? Go to the meet. That noise was Kenny leaving. Oh, no, I'm here. Oh, it, I thought that was the noise of you leaving the meet. Sorry. No, that's the noise of an e-wheelbarrow video. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so it's stronger. It's better. It is a little bit heavier. Uh, the complete wheel set with an XD Freehub body is 1,870 grams, which... In God's wheel size. We don't care about the other. In 29, which I think for an alloy enduro wheel set, that's pretty reasonable. Lighter than some carbon stuff. I was going to say, just for your information, the newest fusion fiber wheel product uh, made by a company that is owned by the composite company that... Oh, is Forge and Bond owned by CSS Composites? Yeah, CSS. I couldn't remember the letter combination. That 32-hole wheel set weighs... 1,982 grams. So these, the Industry 9 Enduro wheel set is only in 32 hole. And so the 32 hole version of this latest fusion fiber wheel set, which is similar in dimension as far as the width. Yeah, 1,982 grams. So an almost 2,000 gram wheel set if you want that fusion, which I, I mean, I imagine that is a stronger wheel than any alloy wheel of comparable I guess, use or intention, intended use. I never got to ride those wheels. Yeah. It'd be really cool to ride those wheels, Joe. <laughs> I don't think he listens, but I'd love to ride them. Well, you know, I think that as far as the fusion fiber stuff goes, it's really interesting, and I really like the idea of carbon becoming more recyclable. Uh down Yeah, down reusable. I, I want to get in front of the naysayers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they put it through a wood chipper and then make it into other shit, right? Yeah, and every time you do that, like... Then you break that thing and they put it through the wood chipper and make they something, make something smaller. smaller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because what's happening is every time you, you shred the product, what they're able to do is shred the product and then melt the thermoplastic out of it. A thermoset, like a, a standard resin wheel, you can't separate the resin and the carbon. But the resin or the thermoplastic will will melt out much earlier than the carbon breaks down. So they can shred the product and then process it, and then they have short strands that they can make another compaction molded product out of. Not necessarily a product that's laid up like a rim. So. For argument's sake, a broken rim can't become another broken rim. A broken rim could become a tire lever or a stem faceplate or a seat post collar or something like that. But it doesn't just straight up go in the trash. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really cool. But until they figure out how to make it lighter, I don't think the, the it's never going to just take over the market. Because there are so many relatively inexpensive, way lighter, and equally as well-performing products out there, they're just not recyclable, unfortunately. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, that's a good thing. I'm just saying that's 
that's just how it is. That's just the truth. Like no one who has, you know, $2,000 or what are these, 2700 are they I don't much? know. It, I mean, you could probably scroll on that page yeah. and figure out how much they cost. $2,600. Yeah, twenty. anyone with $2,600 who's looking for an enduro wheel set can get something that weighs, I'm not going to say half as much because that's ridiculous, but... I mean, for $2,300, you can get Bird Hawk 30s that weigh 1,400 grams. Yeah. So, God, look at that plug. <laughs> look at that plug. I even paid for my wheels and I just plugged the shit out of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you got that much money, you're not going to spend it on something that's that much heavier unless you're just really concerned about that recyclability thing. Like, that's the only selling point of these. So I wouldn't say it's the only selling point because the ride characteristics are supposed to be different. Okay, well. I haven't had a chance to ride them. Now, I think full to the moon would be this this style of rim with a bird spoke. Yeah, just to make it a lot lighter. Well, and the bird spoke softer. Everything, make, make everything softer. Sure. I'm going to say something blasphemous. What? I like the alloy bar on my stumpy. Okay. I, I just like it. All right. That's interesting. I still haven't tried the carbon bar on my Kinevo. I'm going to wait till I install the brakes because I got to like take all that stuff off anyway. Yeah. yeah. And also, so here's a, a tip for SRAM. Can you redesign your brake clamps? They destroy handlebars. Oh, That's like it. that little, that like rectangle that kind of digs in in the corners? Yeah, well, they're like, yeah. yeah, it digs in in those two spots really badly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always noticed that. I've never really cared, but yeah, I guess you're right. I've seen, you know, I've seen Shimano brakes that have, of course, it's probably the handlebar too, but yeah, I was gonna say at the, the, uh, the place where the hinge like comes together at on the that bolt side. side. Yeah, like on the bolt side, it gets that can also leave a mark in some. It bars. can, it can a little bit. I've had better luck with the newest version of the brake that's got that little support thingy, and it doesn't have quite as skinny of a clamp. And the generation yeah. before that on Shimano had a super thick clamp, which was great. Like they were pretty stiff. Um, I think if Shimano went back to that first clamp design, they would be better off. If Shimano would just standardize their clamp design and stick with it, everyone's life would be easier. <laughs> I will say but, it is nice. So the props to SRAM on this one will be that the whole matchmaker situation has lasted a while, which is really, really cool. So that's really nice that those have... Oh, on the stealth brakes, do they run the same clamp? Yep. Oh. <laughs> you were just saying it was nice. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's cool they haven't changed it, but... I don't like it, so I want them to change it. <laughs> but then they would change it, and you would bitch about them changing it. So moving on to the no, next No, I would say, wow, it's really nice that for 10 years, SRAM ran that system. That's really cool. And it's backwards compatible and all that stuff. But I want it to be better. All right. Uh, do we, we have um, two listener questions, and they are both for Kenny. Is it awesome. me? Where yeah. do how I start? Angry, how angry are these people? Oh, they're not angry at all. Where do I start? Oh, wow, that's hey, rare. Hey, folks. I didn't know... Oh, okay. Uh, my God. Hey, folks. I've been a long-time listener all the way back to the MBR days. Still rep the old-school T-shirt and happen to have the note Matt wrote and the pick attached. Uh, that's some staying power. This person's had a note that I wrote for like six years. Um, I can't tell you specifically why I've been listening to you three all these years. No, I, I think it was a thank you note from something they bought off the website like recently. Well, let's go look. It's not on there. It's the the one I pulled up on my computer and said they kept. Oh, I don't know where that went. Does this person possess any of your hair? <laughs> Maybe an eyelash? 
Oh, man. Kenny, speaking of that, we had someone who on Twitter said that they opened their package, like they bought some bottles, and they said that when they opened the package, they're like, it's they smelled Andrea and Matt. Uh, that poly mailer is under their pillow Uh, i can't tell you specifically why i've been listening to you three all these years but you provided great entertainment on road trips and relaxing in my sauna love the segment on new shit we hate and how it kickstarts wonderful discussions want to say thank you and keep up the great banter question for full face candy and that was in all caps in In regards to episode 87 where you and matt walked through sram transmission drivetrain Back in the day, you had some epic rants on how bad SRAM components were, and Shimano was king of the hill. It's almost like you embarrassed SRAM enough to get their act together. Miraculously, now the tables have turned with the last two product releases Shimano hasn't had any answers for. Do we need an intervention with Shimano? They seem like they've rolled over and died. We need them to stay in the game so we can keep SRAM's pricing honest. Great stuff for sure, and I'll likely pay whatever they ask, but it's almost like the fight isn't fair at this point. They've been pulling away like a trophy truck racing a Honda Ridgeline in the desert. We need an epic rant from Kenny. Turn on the bat signal. Shimano needs to wake up and heed the call. Happy trails, JRA crew, Jordan. No, that's awesome. couple things. Uh, the Ridgeline versus trophy truck in the desert. If that Ridgeline were a rental in particular, I'd say <laughs> it stands a pretty good chance of beating the trophy truck. Well, how long are they racing also? <laughs> And how much of it's pavement? Uh, good stuff. Uh, so on to the SRAM and Shimano stuff. Yeah, I mean, we we take the side of the product that is the best, I think. We choose the side of the winner. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I think we've always just set our minds, right? And that changes over the years as, as uh, companies come and go. You know, the I don't think we ever liked any of their products, but, you know, like Mavic. You know, where's Mavic now? Uh, I guess you they're loved making, their shoes. Yeah, the blasphemous shoes, whore. The shoes. No, that's were true. They had. Good. They made the best shoe. They made the best shoe in the world. I still own that shoe, by the way, and I still wear it. Not even kidding, a tiny bit. And so, yeah, I don't know what people do to shoes, but like shoes last me ten years. Yeah, I still am using the same. Let's see, I, the Shimano Me Sevens that I use now, I've had since I don't know, probably 2018 or 2019. I had to warranty one pair because the soles started to come off, but these have been solid. So. On the Shimano front, when it came to brakes, everybody was all over the map on brakes. Nothing was reliable. You know, nobody had piston retraction. Everything was problematic. The SRAM stuff especially. And nobody else was really any better, right? Like the the Maguras, the Formulas, all those people. Like, yeah, they made brakes and maybe sometimes they would be okay. But as far as consistency goes, we just chose the Shimano for like many, many years because it just kind of worked. Now it turns out they only last for two years maximum. (laughs) And then they just absolutely completely shit themselves. That's just how they are, which really sucks. And Shimano like shrugs their shoulders in Japanese. They're like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so we're off of Shimano brakes. I would still ride a pair. They're fine. I wouldn't want to own a pair anymore. And we're on to other things. SRAM now makes Perfectly acceptable brakes in the road and mountain world. All their stuff that I've used the last generation has been great. It actually finally works and it's reliable and it has piston retraction and like the levers feel good. Everything is good. TRP. TRP is freaking killing it over the past few years. Ever since they came out with the DHR, their brakes are really, really good. If you guys haven't tried any TRPs, they're super good. So like we'll just 
say it like it is, way back in the day when we were all cobbling together one-by setups, Shimano had a clutch derailleur that was like halfway freaking decent. And like it shifted crisply and it was great. Like their stuff was so good. That 10-speed stuff was phenomenal. Their yeah, their front 10-speed, that 10-speed that shifter was the smoothest thing. It was so good. For a long time. Like now I'd say the like an XO one or an XX shifter is is comparable. Yes. I, and I'm not even saying better, but like comparable as far as the lever feel and just how easy it clicks. The yeah, nine like speed. If, I, if I lived in Memphis, I would still run ten speed. Yeah, just like one straight by 10. up, just like one by ten with like a thirty six up front, eleven thirty six in the back. I would party <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, so for a minute there, Shimano was making like really compelling products. Remember how good that side swing mountain front derailleur was? They made for eleven speed. That didn't make any sense. It was so that thing good. Would- it would shift so hard it would snap chainring bolts. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was Not so good, right? Uh, and for you know a while there, RockShox was making a very serviceable, perfectly good, reasonably priced fork in the cross country realm, and I think we all ran those. And Fox's stuff was straight up garbage. Um, they had no small bump compliance. They were expensive. They were ugly. They just sucked. And like the F twenty nine. Yeah, that whole era of forks. My God, was that stuff so bad. And then Fox turned the corner. You know, they came out with the that revised 34. That was like the turning point for them. And all their stuff got really good. So the industry has these ebbs and flows. And we're happy to be here to tell you about it. Yeah, and Shimano is ebbing right now. They're, they're ebbing fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> if they ebb any harder, they're going to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh god I, I just want to touch on that pricing comment transmission doesn't cost more than xx1 axis like i haven't i haven't really forensically looked at all the pricing i think maybe a few things maybe the cassettes a few more dollars in like the highest tier but i think the derailleur for example like an xo derailleur it's cheaper than the xo uh axis ever has been if i'm not mistaken i think it was like well maybe i might be wrong on that i'm pretty sure though that it's cheaper so yeah, I mean, especially in it. the XO line, it's very reasonably priced. So is I wonder if now that they have XXSL, XX, and XO, is XO the new GX? For right now, it is. Who knows how long it's going to take them to release GX. Maybe they just kind of won't for many, many years because GX, especially because it's got mechanical and wireless and it uses a traditional derailleur hanger, GX kind of fills a lot of roles right yeah i mean if if i'm happy to be wrong it took two years to see gx axis that is correct yes so and when i say i'm wrong like i don't you know if they release it sooner or later i've been wrong a bunch before and tim kruger will write in and let me know when i am (laughs) but um but he won't call you back (laughs) no He's busy as shit. I'm just giving him a hard time. He told me that he texted me this week and said that the new employee was really confused when he was yelling at the Bluetooth speaker in the warehouse. <laughs> um, fun fact: I, I often I read online that uh, the closest you'll ever be to knowing what it's like to be a ghost is yelling at a podcast when you know the answer that they don't. I forgot what you were wrong about. Uh, handlebar diameters. Okay. Oh, um, right, right. Old handlebar diameters. Yeah, and my phone's not here, so I can't reference what he told me, and I still don't know the answer because that shit was outdated before I started riding real bikes. So. <laughs> yeah, it was. You were convinced that twenty six zero was mountain, but that was the road size, 
and twenty five four was the mountain one. What it all sucks and is old. It's it's all gone now. We don't have oh, to I'll, memorize I'm gonna those things. I'm going to remember all the shit you were wrong on, Matt, and I'll make sure to bring it up many years later. Like at my funeral. You're like, <laughs> this one time? Yeah. Kitty's going to be giving yeah. a eulogy and be like, he thought that 26 was road. <laughs> and then he, 26 was mountain. What? I don't even know it. I can't remember that and shit. And then he wheels me out in an electric wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like, I mean, it, it took two years to see GX access to get back on track of what we were talking about. So maybe it'll take two years to see GX transmission. Maybe it'll never happen. Who knows? I think it's very reasonable to assume it's going to be two years to see that because they have perfectly functioning, not released very long ago, GX axis, if nothing else. So, yeah. God, I saw internet comments about these people bitching that the the SL cassette was so expensive and that it was going to wear out faster because of the aluminum cogs. And it's like fifty dollars more than an XX1 cassette right now, or like thirty dollars. It's like five fifty. Well, people were just mad that it's going to wear out faster because they put more aluminum on it, and it's like, well. Don't fucking buy it. Buy the one that's less aluminum and stop bitching. So I had all the cassettes out comparing them, and the the XO is exactly the same as the uh, is it called XX one? Yeah. No, it's XX it's, XX. There's no more ones. There's okay. no more ones. So the XO is identical to the XX. It's just whatever coating they put on there. So they're all. It's still. It's I thought it was a fully. Yeah, I thought it was a fully pinned cassette, like kind of a turd, kind of a GX no. level cassette. It's not. That thing's still freaking full on, like tool steel, hogged out on a damn CNC machine. Uh, it's like a really, really nice cassette. It's only those last couple cogs, last three, that are pinned together. So that XO cassette, XO in general, is, I think that's the place to be for real. Uh, super reasonably priced for what it is, for being the newest, latest, greatest. And I mean, that was the same with XO1 versus XX1. Like, you weigh the cassettes, they're within like 10 grams of one another. The other one just has the fancy coating and looks cooler. Yep. Yeah. Is that worth 100 bucks? I don't know. Maybe it is to you. Maybe it's not <laughs> to someone else. Like, don't want those aluminum cogs? Don't buy it. Quit bitching. Awesome. What? Well, I think that answers that question. Should we move on to the next one? I want to ask a different question. Okay. That's related to that question. What do you think it's going to take for Shimano to release something that that is a true leveling of the playing field with SRAM? Give me your. Could they even release something that was better? Like what? What's their answer? Like what does it actually have to do to be better than what SRAM has now, or competitive at least? I actually don't know. I think they will for a long time uh, continue to dominate in the low to mid-range OEM yeah, uh, segment yeah, like for sure. I think their link guide stuff they just did is a really, that's probably what's keeping them afloat, honestly. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's easy to be like, well, why'd they do that when they can be making some high-end shit? It's like, well, unit-wise, they're probably going to make more money on making that decision. Maybe it's a decision they made years ago and they're like, we cannot, we can no longer compete at the bleeding edge. So maybe we just do what we can and redesign the mid-range i don't know the answer to that like surely they didn't just lay down and give up like that but what is it going to take for them to take on sram oh i really don't know i mean on the surface i want it to be fully wireless i think that's just 
going to be yeah, that, where everything is going. There. Well, and with but mountain they bikes, might just you... run into they might just run into uh, patent stuff where they just cannot do that. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, I mean, with the current mountain bikes, you can't have a battery in the way that we know it, like a Di two battery that rests. Yeah, on the front you, you triangle can't be somewhere. doing you can't be doing this. Yeah, either front triangle or seat post battery anymore. Like that's gotta just. That has to go away. Even if they went to having batteries in each component and then just hooking them up with wires, like I'm not even that opposed to that. If you make a wire that runs through an existing internal cable hose and I have to plug it in, I don't know that I really care. Is that that big of a deal? It's actually not, not really. that big of a deal to me. Who? What does it matter, right? So if you have a little wash battery in the shifter and then you have a removable um, hell, it doesn't even have to be removable, I guess. But you got the battery in the derailleur. What is that? That that'd be fine. Nothing wrong with that, right? It's mountain bikes. It's one by. Like, what am I missing? You need one fucking wire, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's possible. I guess sizing your cables would be really hard. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's accurate. That could be a problem. You'd have to make a removable. I think to be practical, you'd need to make a removable end, and it would need to be wiring like what you would put in a car. You know, like you have a spool of wire and then you have some ends and you have to crimp yeah, them. Yeah, maybe. Together. No one in the bike industry is smart enough to make that work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be tough. So, yeah, what's it going to take? Uh, I don't know. It's either going to take them somehow making something that is either cheaper or more reliable or shifts better than current axis or the new transmission. And I just don't know. I truly don't know what that would look like to be quite honest, or they do something completely off the wall that's com- totally revolutionary, like a some type of weird pinion drive gearboxy type thing. Like they would have to go away from a derailleur chain cassette situation, I think. All right. DI2 Alphine. <laughs> that's already a thing. No, XTR DI2 Alphine style. Got it. That you can shift when you're pedaling hard. Yeah, it's not yeah so that, that would have to be... I think that's how they would have to take some market share back as they invent some kind of internal gearing that shifts while you're putting on full power. Or maybe... Hmm. And okay, doesn't I just have came to change up with frame a, design. I don't even want to... I don't think I want to share this with, uh, with the audience because I think it's too good of an idea. Either so, say it or let's move to the next question. You decide. <laughs> what about some type of CVT? Where you have uh, like a think the way a CVT on a scooter or a side by side works, where you have a like a V belt that rides up and down in a set of pulleys, so it's still one by, and you have some type of hell. It could even be a belt. Like how cool would it be to not have a chain? Not and <laughs> and then uh, and that thing grows. I guess the problem there would be you can't have a bike with any chain growth. I don't think that would uh, I don't think that would really work. We could figure something out. But anyway, maybe a CVT type situation. I'm just trying to think what Shimano could possibly do that is not a traditional chain cassette setup at the high end. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully they uh, hopefully they do it. It would be nice to see some other stuff out there. Uh, so, one more question? Yeah, last one and we'll, we'll wrap it up. This one's not, not too long. Liam says, hi team, another question for you. Listening to Kenny talk about suspension and his favorite damper, Grip 2. And bouncing ideas off you made me super keen to hear if you have any experience with the current generation of Manitou forks, particularly the R7 Pro 120. Super keen, again, 
This guy is keen as a motherfucker. Super keen on one based off of all the online reviews, but is it just people love what they have, or is it really better than the big two suspension makers? Great question. I have never ridden that damper. It could be totally fine. I don't know. If you look at how the Charger 3 damper and the Grip 2 damper go together, if you look at cutaways and how everything works and oil flows and all that, if I'm not mistaken, they are shockingly similar. And mm, I think there's probably shock. a reason why is because it it works really good. I don't know what the Manitou one looks like. I haven't ridden one. I haven't ridden a Manitou since a really long time ago, since like 9-speed XTR for real. It looks like... I'm looking at that Manitou, and it looks like they took some Fox, a Fox CSU, and put chrome on it. Black stanchions, Fox lowers, but they uh, they kicked the arch until it just kind of like flipped itself around and went backwards. Yeah, like they just yeah. kicked it right in the face, and it just flopped around, and now it's they, like the pug of forks. Yeah, and now it's Manitou. <laughs> also, that uh, that fender looks like a bird beak. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it's maybe down. it's. Maybe it's fine. Uh, good question. I don't know. I should probably try to Why don't you go read mess Pink with Bike, one Kitty? of those dampers. Ugh. Yeah, that's a, See what Pink Bike says about it. That's a risky move. Uh, in in other, other news of underwhelming suspension, I pushed on a, it must have been an RXF something or other, Olin's 36, like whatever their newest 36 trail fork is. And man, there's like something wrong with that. I don't know. It was, it felt really bad just sitting there static. Definitely so, something wrong with it. So, Olin's, I know you're listening, but if you just send us a check for $30,000, you can do a JRA takeover <laughs> and uh, we'll say that your forks are better than everyone else's. Oh my gosh. For one so, week. For hopefully, one that week. was a one off thing. I don't know. Maybe there was actually broken, but I'm a little, I'm a little bummed on Olin's at the moment. I've never liked their stuff. I never felt like I looked at it or pushed on it and was like, oh, this is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But at the same time, again, we let's frame this so people don't get bummed. It's Fuck em. while we're real with what we think and sometimes we're wrong, but we're usually not. It's nice to have competition in this space. It's nice to have the Manitous of the world, the Olins of the world. Olins is obviously very good at other things. I think, uh, but right now it's not mountain bike suspension. I don't think anyway, it's cool to have all these competitors. I'm glad that we have all these products because it will hopefully keep the fire lit under manufacturers asses and keeping them innovating and coming out with, uh, with good products. So as fun as it is to talk smack on the stuff that we don't like, it is cool that people are actually trying to make good products. All right. Yeah, that's true. All right. Ready to wrap Wait, it up. Are we going to end on like Kenny giving like a heartfelt, <laughs> Like I don't, I don't know if the show can end here. Like I think people's cars will catch on fire. I think iPhones will self-destruct. I don't know. Maybe I'm maturing. I don't like it. You uh, need more wine before the next show. All right. Well, everyone, make sure that you go and get your twenty-five dollar set of water bottles. Or not. I don't know. We could not do that. It's your call. You gonna do it? Yeah. I mean, we'll do it for let's say um, what's. We'll do it from release date. For two weeks. All right, yeah. Two and weeks. if you go to the website and it's not that price, it's not that price. Yeah, there you go. I don't want to, and this is in U.S. dollars, and I don't want to. Yeah, s- basically through uh, May first. Oh God, that's a terrible idea. You're going to be out of town. <laughs> I am going to be out of town. <laughs> 
There might be a slight operational delay in shipping some of those orders. Well, just make sure you read the the warning on uh, on the the page where you order stuff. It's like, hey, if Matt's by himself because Andrea ran off to the woods. Does it actually say that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's something on there that says sometimes there might be a few. I mean, we're not, look, we're not Amazon. We're not, I mean, Amazon's not doing that great now, but we're not a place that has people that ship stuff for us. Like, we do that. Like, Taco doesn't have thumbs. Yeah, our dog doesn't have thumbs. Our dog freaks out at the printer, for one. Like, he has to be outside when we use the printer or else he howls and tries to, like, tear the couch apart. So, yeah, I mean... Sometimes your stuff may not ship out right away. We do try to get it out pretty quick, though. Well, from now through May 1st, if you choose One Day Rush, Matt will personally deliver your shit somehow. (laughs) And I'll show up in a bikini. (laughs) We don't have that option. I guess we'll have to add it. The cost of that delivery, though, is (laughs) $12,000. Rush shipping is $12,000 on a set of water bottles. All right. If If a plane shows up at Matt's place... He will get on it and go wherever that plane's going with water bottles on board. <laughs> I do not know. I'm you would not. need a helicopter here. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I guess we push in now. All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening and good night. Or good day. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show. There's some shit coming out of your pants.